Amen. Now, come on, Bethany. These are the best people in Gunnison. You could do better than that. It's okay. I'm happy to see you. I'm glad you came out. Uh, it is time for Children's Church. But you guys, you're beautiful. Watching you worship is like crazy great. Before we go, before they go, would you help me in thanking Jermaine and Cody and all the tech team that keep our audio and visual and fog machines right going full? Yeah, God bless you. All right. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, we do not, in fact, actually have fog machines yet. Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you so much. And some of you out there help out as well. Time for Children's Church. Go. Go be blessed. We love you. You're amazing. Piper, take care of them upstairs, okay? All right, girl. You got that. Good job. Good job. Okay. I, too, have a quick announcement. We have a church cleanup celebration day coming now try try to calm your enthusiasm right <laughs> happening here uh saturday uh june 10th so uh we're gonna run this from 9 to 12 and then we're gonna eat and it's gonna be music and 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 then we're gonna export a team to to uh somebody in town needs some help so uh you know we're gonna, we're just gonna be blessing you know and taking care of the house here so uh, if you're available to come play and clean and eat with us, uh, or you're even mildly interested in finding out more, put your name here because we need you and we're going to have fun. So go do that. Um, great. Great. Today we are wrapping up our Pray This Way series. Now we have been in this for a little while and we are wrapping it up on a high note. On a high note, so want to encourage you, want to give you some tools, want to, you know, share with you some of the character of God. The, the high note is this, that we get to know that God longs to, loves to give good gifts to his kids who ask him. And that is great. Here's a question. Do you want the peace and joy, and comfort, and security that come from knowing that you have a heavenly Father who loves to give good gifts. I do. In fact, I can't imagine anybody who wouldn't want that. I so want that for you. We all need that. I, however, have not always been a a father who knows how to give good gifts. Um, It was... The Christmas of 1996, our daughter Quincy was four years old. She still remembers this. It still scars her, right? Um, She's being set free from it. But they had just started to put animatronics into kids' toys, right? And she saw this commercial about a doll that talks and moves its eyes and its mouth right? And says things and does things. And she asked for it. And, and we got it for her, right? I want you to meet Amazing Allie, right? This was an actual doll. This is the Aussie version. Maybe it was outlawed in the United States. 
I don't know. You see that charming smile on the doll? It's a lie. <laughs> Amazing Alley is terrifying. The Christmas should be one of the happiest days in a child's life. And it was for her. She got up. She was in her PJs with her feet in them. She was happy as a clam until she opened her big gift. Amazing Alley, right? She unwraps it. She shouts for joy because she sees the happy face. And she opens the box and she takes the doll out. And the doll says, hello, I've been waiting for you. And she screams. A blood-curdling scream that would set off car alarms for a three-block radius. And she throws Amazing Alley a remarkable distance against the wall. She says, make it stop, make it stop, turn her off, get her out. I was about to perform an exorcism. We did. Hardly the picture of our Heavenly Father who likes to give his children good gifts. So let's go to Jesus for our teaching today. What do you say? Better source. Jesus has just taken his, his friends and listeners and us through the Lord's Prayer, right? And now he wants to tell us more about the character of the beautiful God to whom we pray, God the Father, right? You have the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He wants to tell us the character of God the Father, and here it is. He says, God, like a heavenly father, wants to give his kids good gifts. So, so he takes us through the story. Take a look. It's in Luke chapter 11. And Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Now, this guy is knocking on his friend's door at an absurd hour, right? And back then, they didn't have good television programming after, say, 8 p.m. So people went to bed early, right? So he is coming in the middle of the night. And in that culture, when you closed your door, it was as if you hung a do not disturb sign on the knob. So he says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Obviously, this story Jesus is telling takes place in a town, a lot like Gunnison, with no 24-hour stores. Somebody said loves. Somebody said their food is older than I am. It does not count. It does not count. He goes on. He goes on, and he will answer from within. He doesn't get up, right? Not at first. Do not bother me. The door is now shut. The children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Nothing, right? What are you talking about? You don't wake me up, right? This guy is obviously single. No wife would ever let their husband go out in the middle of the night and, and get something like that, right? But... And this guy's probably thinking, look, dude, we have talked about this. We have talked about this. If it's late, text me first. 
If I don't text you back within 30 seconds, I'm sleeping, right? And I tell you, Jesus says, although he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, that is persistence and boldness because he's persistent. And bold. Apparently, this guy doesn't take no for an answer. He's going to keep knocking. He's going to keep asking. He's going to keep seeking, right? He will arise and give him whatever he needs. And what Jesus is saying is that this guy who needed the bread did everything wrong in approaching his cranky neighbor and asking for bread, and he still got it anyway. How much more will your heavenly father get up and give you whatever, whenever it is that you need? God isn't like that guy in the bed. But even if you do everything imperfectly, you have a God who loves you, who longs to to prove his love for you by, by meeting your needs. That's what he's saying. He goes on to say, because of this, I tell you, ask, and it will be given you. Some of you know this, right? Seek, and you will find. Knock. And it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, to the one who knocks, it will be open. So let's just, uh, let's just back up and answer a question. It's probably banging around in some of your heads. Which is, how come God doesn't say yes to me more often? How come God doesn't say yes to me more often? Jesus said, ask. Jesus said, seek. Jesus said, knock. The brother of Jesus, James, had something to say about this too. He wrote this. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. What? You do not have because you do not ask. Scripture tells us, God tells us, that one of the main reasons that our prayers don't get answered is because they don't get prayed. Right? And so, here's the question. Are you making an obsessive habit of going to God for everything and anything that you need? Can you imagine what things might be part of your life if you would make an obsessive habit of asking your Heavenly Father for everything that you need? Let's take it a different direction. Can you imagine how your life up to this point would have been different if you had made an obsessive habit of going to your heavenly father for everything that you need and asking and asking in prayer. Things might be very different. So yes, ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. Here's takeaway number one. Your heavenly father loves to give good gifts. So make sure to ask God for everything that you need. And some of you are saying, I do. I do. I pray. I ask. How come? How come? God doesn't say yes to me more often. Well, James has more to say about this. He says, sometimes you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. 
to spend it on your passions, right? Now, your heavenly father loves you so much, he wants to give you good gifts. But sometimes you and I, we don't ask for good gifts. We ask for harmful gifts. We ask for things that God does not want in his love to bless us with. And you see that to spend it on your passions. And passions here refers to fleshly things, refers to extravagancies or things that are, that are not essential needs. They are non-essential. They are cravings for our lives that we have convinced ourselves. These things we need to make my life better, to make my life worth living, to make my life full, to make my life meaningful. And when we take things like that, even good things, and we we put them there, they don't become prayers. They become God's substitutes, right? Anything that you and I would be prone to, and it's different for, for each one of us, to put in our lives in that spot where um, we would have that be something that takes the place of God or does for us that which God wants to do for us, right? Becomes a God substitute. And it would be different for each one of us. For some of us, it might be money. For some of us, it might be our career, our, our lifestyle goals. Some of it might be relationships. You want to get married or you want, you want this relationship, you want that relationship. For some of us, it's kids. For some of us, it's recreation. For some of us, it's, it's experiences or some goal or some dream. Now, those things are not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but when we put them on the level of God, they become God substitutes. And here's what God is saying. He is not going to give you that which is going to help you replace him with his blessing because that's not a blessing. That's a curse. He loves you too much to do that. You know, think about, two the context of where we see Jesus teaching about the God who wants to give us good gifts and how hypocritical it would be for you and for me to get to this point and get all, gimme, 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 right? I mean, Jesus has just led us through the Lord's Prayer. And he's, this is like a PS for that. So he's already said, pray this way. God, you're my father. It is all about you. It is not about me. Your name be hallowed, which means use me to make a name for you. Not me, use you to make a name for me, right? Your kingdom is what matters. Your will is what matters to me. You are what matter. It's all about you. Right? We just said that. Now, if you and I are to pray that from our hearts, then God changes our hearts, changes our mind, changes our desires and our priorities. Right? So if we have truly prayed that and we have allowed God to transform our our focus and our attention, our priorities, our goals to him... If you've done that, then go ahead and ask for anything you need, anything you want, because it's going to be lined up with him, right? I mean, how hypocritical would it be to get through the Lord's prayer and go, okay, now now that all that stuff's out of the way, God, what I really want is for you to cough up enough money so that I could recreate the whole whole food, salad and food bar in my kitchen. I want it in my kitchen. And while you're at it, I want a bigger house. I want a better spouse. Um, I want 
I want another house by the beach in some country that's hard to pronounce. Amen. Okay. How hypocritical is that? Right? It's all about you. No, let's make it about me. So Jesus goes on. Jesus goes on. Takeaway number two, your heavenly father loves to give good gifts. So make sure to ask him for good things, for good things, things that will make both you and him happy. You blessed him glorified. How about you happy because he's glorified? You ask him for that. You know, our kids know this. They know certain things that we can't say no to. And they ask for them repeatedly. It's a brilliant strategy. And it's not a bad one. God never says no to his glory. And his glory is your joy if you belong to him. So always ask for it. Ask for good things. Good things. Jesus goes on. Take away number three. Let's get to this first. Your heavenly father loves to give good gifts to you. So you start everyone off by that? Yes, yeah, so we remember it, right? Your heavenly father loves to give good gifts, so ask God, pray with boldness and persistence, like the guy knocking on the door. You know, if you want something, here's a good, here's a good rule for life. If you think you want something or need something, wait six months and see if you still feel that way. Half the time, I only want something for like 45 minutes right? So part of this is helping us get to know ourselves and get to know what we truly need, what we truly desire. Give God a chance to work on us. So ask yourself that. Jesus continues. Well, before we get to that, I want to, so you think, I wonder if I'm missing out on something here, right? I wonder if I'm missing out on something here and not was Satan's first lie to our first parents. God is holding out on you. You say, would it be better? I know what's good for me. God, not so much. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying to our first parents in the garden. God's holding out. He has good things he's trying to hold from you. He's not like trying to lead you into more life. He's holding out on you. Do we believe that? I would say we do. I would say we do every time we think there is more life and more joy to be found in disobeying God, disrespecting God, ignoring God, and what you know he's placed in in his word and in your heart. We think there's more life, there's more joy in that than in obedience. When he wants to lead you into life, when he wants to lead you into joy, don't believe the lie that God is holding out on you. Jesus continues, what father? Gives us another example. This goes for mothers too, okay? What parent among you, if his son or daughter asks for a fish, which is a good thing, right? Well, instead of a fish, give him a, a serpent. You hungry? Here, eat this live rattlesnake, right? That's not America's most sadistic home videos. That's a bad thing, Right? Son asks for a good thing, you give him a bad thing. Or if he asks for an egg, that's a good thing, we'll give him a scorpion. That's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. So Jesus is saying, 
If you then who are evil compared to God, right, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here's the takeaway. Takeaway number four, your heavenly Father loves to give good gifts. So ask God, pray with childlike trust right? The child to their parent, right? The parent knows how to give good. Ask with childlike trust. Some of you are thinking. Takeaway number three was ask with persistence and boldness. Takeaway number four is ask with childlike trust. Can those two coexist? Have you ever had a three-year-old child? Have you ever? Daddy, what? Daddy, what? Daddy, what? Daddy, what? Daddy! Can you please hold me? I'm scared. Oh, yes. And what father or mother will not do that? Does not long to hold and comfort their child as long as it takes, as long as their child will let them? That's how you do it. Boldness and persistence, childlike trust. I got to share a story that some of you have been here a while have heard, but those of you, most of you haven't. The person who taught me most how to pray with childlike trust is somebody that my children have never met. It's somebody who was much older than I was at the time. And it was my father when he was 43 and I was 19. My father was a loving and godly and funny man who is also dying of a very aggressive brain tumor. And when it became clear to us that God did not intend in his wisdom to heal, to cure him as we prayed, but to heal him in his presence in heaven instead, my father did not lose faith. He believed in the heavenly father who loved him and knows how to give good gifts. And there was a person, a godly friend named John Thompson, who was formerly when he was well, his tennis partner playing doubles, right? And who became his prayer partner and his buddy who would continue to feed him the word of God and stoke his faith and intercede for him and with him. And that was a wonderful, wonderful thing. We lived in New Orleans at the time. And uh, it was 1984, I believe. And there was a shakeup in the energy markets. And John, who lived a block and a half away, worked for Shell. And they were moving offices and condensing. And they moved John to Houston quite suddenly and his family permanently. And John, I came to learn, knew that he would not see my father again. And that so tore him up that he could not bring himself to say goodbye or tell my dad that he was moving. And so it fell to me to communicate this to my father and to get him to believe that this had happened, I had to take his wheelchair to John's house and park it 
outside his windows so he could see that the house was empty, so that he could see the for sale sign in front of it. And he wept all the way home. God, give me John Thompson. God, bring me John Thompson. God, please bring me John. And I said, you know, the, the, the spiritual one, right? I'm going to tell my father what God really means. Because I'm going to tell him, God will provide for you a friend like John. Somebody else to come alongside you and help you through these days. He would hear none of it. God will bring John Thompson. God bring John. I had to go back to school. Emotionally, I was shot and I I had to get back. The next weekend, I come home and I'm going to go to church with my parents on Saturday night. We we go to uh, there, uh, a very large church. And because he was in a wheelchair and it's hard to get um, this is before a lot of ramps and stuff. It's harder to get him in and out. We sat in the back on one side of a wing, right? There were like three. And we would wait till most everybody had left because it was easier to navigate. This particular day, there was another older couple. I say older, they're probably my age now, <laughs> right? On the other wing, on the opposite side who, who were hanging out. And they walk over and they stand in front of my father and they take his paralyzed hand, the man does, which is not a man thing to do. And I stand there with my father and my mother and he says, I know you don't know us and we don't know what you're going through. But for the last week, I cannot get it off my heart to pray for you, to intercede for you. And I want you to know that we are here, that I am here to be your friend and to do for you whatever it need, whatever it is you need done. He said, pleased to meet you. My name is John Thompson. At which point, my father erupts in praises to God and tears. And I have to explain to this family what happened and why this introduction. I don't think he usually got that reaction. And so I say, pray with childlike trust and God will amaze you. This is not my only story of that. It's just perhaps one of the more dramatic. You see, when we pray with childlike trust, there's no room anymore for anxiety. Say, I've worked for this. I've worried about this. Have you prayed? Have you rested? Knowing that the one who loves you most knows and you have brought it. There's no room. There's only room for peace and security and comfort and maybe a little screaming, maybe a little screaming. Pray with childlike trust. Another takeaway, here we go. Your heavenly father loves to give good gifts. So the greatest gift God could ever give you is the closest possible relationship with him. Where do you get that? Well, Jesus said that, right? 
He says, if you parents know how to give your kids good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father know? And how much more does he want to give the Holy Spirit? Now, who, who had their holy, the Holy Spirit as the thing they were hoping Jesus was going to say, right? Do we, do we think that that's the greatest gift? Here's a good way to tell, is being filled with the presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God. Is that the top of your prayer list? Is it? Because if not, maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. That's what he's saying. He's saying the great gift is to know me, to know me deeply. You know, the people that Jesus was talking to, like I could picture it, right? They're into it. And they're, it's like, think about it as a church service. As a, can you imagine like a, a congregation that is expressive? Okay, so, so may, just, just stre- stretch it, stretch it. Let's just, just imagine it's a, okay. So Jesus is saying, right? Ask and you will be given. Go, oh, preach it. Oh, yes, Jesus. You know, not uh, uh, seek and you will find. Oh, bring it. Oh, yeah. Knock and the door will be open. I'm hearing you. Bring it. You know, for which parent among you? Wants to knows how to give good gifts if you know how. How much more does your heavenly father? Oh yes, oh yeah, here it comes. How much more does your heavenly father want to give? Bring it, bring it. I'm ready to receive it. The Holy Spirit to those who ask. Can't you picture people going, really, really, crickets? I was hoping he was going to say cash. Holy Spirit, man. So do you pray? Is that at the top of your prayer list? You're incessantly seeking more of God, more filling, more knowledge of him, more experience of his presence, right? Think about it. The Holy Spirit, the God of the universe. Maybe it is the good gift that Jesus says. The Holy Spirit, God of the universe, taking up residence in your body, in your mind, in your soul, filling you. That would be incredible. God living inside you. That is the real gift. Let's, let's take it to this level. Consider this. If you were a high school basketball player, being possessed or filled with the spirit of Michael Jordan would make you an athletic superstar. Okay, that's not an example. If you were a business person, being possessed by the spirit of Warren Buffett would make you phenomenally successful. If you are a singer, a performer, being possessed and filled with the spirit of Beyonce would enable you to be married to Jay-Z, do that single ladies dance, and be a music icon. How much more than if you are into living, being indwelt and possessed with the spirit of the living God, the Lord of life, would help in ways and bless in ways that all of those others combined cannot hold a candle to. That is what we're talking about. Take a look at what the Holy Spirit carries, moves in with him, right? The fruit of the Spirit. I put these parentheses in there, right? That's not the word of God, but it's implied. 
the fruit of the Spirit, with, with, what's in the Holy Spirit's bag that he unpacks inside you is crazy, infectious love, overflowing joy, stupid peace. Now, I don't think peace is stupid. I just mean it makes absolutely no sense that somebody going through what you're going through would have this peace, right? Unending patience, amazing kindness. Mother Teresa-like goodness. Extraordinary faithfulness, unbelievable gentleness, astounding self-control. That's a fruit of the Spirit. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Can you imagine what your life would be like if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Why does God call that the good gift? Why is the Heavenly Father so eager to pour that out on you? Because if you had this, you just imagine how different your life would be, my life would be with this. It would be what you want it to be, what you in your best moments long for it to be. That's what God longs for it to be. It is what only God can be. And so here's how God works out his love. He says, because only I can be that, and yet I want that for you, I will be that in you if you're in me. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. He'll do it again. Maybe. Maybe. The Holy Spirit is the great gift that Jesus said it was. He is, after all. Takeaway, last takeaway. Your heavenly Father loves to give good gifts, so make sure he really is your heavenly Father. If the heavenly Father loves to give good gifts, you've got to make sure that he is your heavenly father. Some of you are thinking, isn't God the father of all people? Yes, in one sense, no in another. Yes, in the sense that we were all created to be God's children. No, in the sense that we have all run away from home and rejected the fatherhood of God in our lives. That's what the Bible calls sin. But the good news is, the good news is that we can all, each one of us, be welcomed back home to the fatherhood of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Treason is what we did. That requires the death penalty. Because if you divorce yourself from the Lord of life, that's all there is. If you say, I don't want you in that rightful place in my life, source of life, what have I got? Eternal death. Jesus couldn't abide that. So he came and lived the life that we should have lived and didn't and died the death penalty on the cross willingly, joyfully that we deserved in our place and rose again to new life so that we could have new life in him and life of ever increasing life that doesn't stop at death. It gets swallowed up in life at death. So this is true. John kicks off his gospel, right? But to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So how do we receive him? How do we believe on his name? 
I grew up in the Catholic church. I was in church at least once a week. At least. That's hundreds, if not thousands, thousands of services, right? Over the course of my young life. And I knew a lot of things right here. I knew that God was the heavenly father. I knew that Jesus was the rescuer, the savior. I also knew that he wasn't my heavenly father. He wasn't my savior. And once the Holy Spirit through, through some caring believers said to me, you got all this up here. It's not here. It's not on the throne of your life. I made the transition, the transaction to say, I surrender. I don't want you to be the heavenly father only. I want you to be my heavenly father. Jesus, I don't want you to just to be the savior and rescuer and Lord. I want you to be my savior and rescuer and Lord. I am the one who ran away from home. And I'm the one who wants to come back because of your faithfulness, not mine. So how do we do that? You do the same. You believe, you repent, and you receive. And, and some of you here, you're here this morning for this moment. For God to give you the good gift of himself. Saying, the best gift I can give you is, is me. And I want, I, want to, I want you to have that. How do, I, how do I receive Jesus Christ? Then you pray, Lord, and you could do this right now in your heart. Lord, I believe that you are God in the flesh who came on a rescue mission from me because I am the one who ran away from home. I am the one who rejected the fatherhood of God in my life. Lord, I believe that you paid for my running away, my sin with your death. And I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you rose to new life so that you could give me new life. That's what I want. Lord, I am sorry for trying to find life apart from you, for trying to find joy without you, for trying to be my own God, forgive me. And, and because you shed your blood, I know that you do. Would you now come in? I receive you as my Lord, my Savior, Father, as my Heavenly Father. And I do this as a gift, not something I've earned. I surrender all control all rights to my own life. It's your life. And I will follow you all the days of my life. Would you fill me with you? That's the gift that I want. Were I to get every other thing and not that, I can't go on. But if I have you, if I have you, I can face anything because you're with me. In Jesus' name. That's a long prayer, probably longer than it needed to be.
But if you, if you will do that transition, transaction in your heart, God takes your sin and gives you his righteousness as a gift. How powerful is it? Well, a guy that ran away from home 35 years later now wants to stand up here and yell and, 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 and tell people he's the way home. When he tells you that the greatest gift he can give you is himself. It's true. And so we, we end with the same question. Oh my, look what I just did to you. Um, that we started with. Don't you want the joy and the peace and the comfort that comes from knowing you have a heavenly father who's got you, who loves to give good gifts. Put another way, we know he loves us. He who did not spare his own son, God the Father, who did not spare Jesus but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So here's the question. Do you want to live as if you have a heavenly father who loves giving you good gifts? You can through Jesus Christ. You can. Can you imagine how your life would be different? How much joy and rest you would have? The birds of the air know it. The lilies of the field know it. Now it's our turn to know it. He is there for the asking. He always says yes when we want him. Is there anybody who needs anything from the Heavenly Father? Anyone? Anyone? Just raise your hand. Anything. I don't need to know what it is. Okay, keep it up. Keep it up. You see? You see these people? Okay. Here's what I'm going to ask during this prayer time. If you did not raise your hand, but you're sitting near somebody who did, help them ask. Help them intercede for them, right? Pray together. Just put your hand on your shoulder. I saw you raise your hand. Maybe you want to share with me what you're needing. I'll help you pray. If you don't have somebody who's going to help you pray or you you want somebody to pray with you, I'll be here. I raise my hand. I need stuff too, but I got people to pray with me. If you need somebody, I'm going to sit over here. You come up. All right? I love you. But more than that, more importantly than that, God loves you. And he wants to prove his love in so, so many ways. We have his son sacrificed for us. If that isn't enough. <laughs>